The People's Pharmacy Podcast is supported in part by Cocovia. Cocovia cocoflavanols support both cardiovascular health and cognitive function by promoting healthy blood flow, transporting oxygen and nutrients to vital organs and muscles, including your heart and brain. Cocovia now comes in an even more concentrated formula. With 450 milligrams of cocoa flavanols, five times more than the leading dark chocolate bar and 15 times more than the leading cocoa powder. Cocovia has a proprietary process that preserves cocoa flavanols at the highest levels, and the product undergoes rigorous testing at every stage, which allows them to guarantee the highest level of cocoa flavanols per serving and to provide the purest, highest quality product possible. People's Pharmacy listeners can now try Cocovia for 25% off by using the code Peoples25 at cocavia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A dot com. Some people consider chocolate a decadent dessert. Could there be health benefits of this gift from the gods? What about coffee or tea? This is the People's Pharmacy with Terry and Joe Graydon. coffee to wake up in the morning. Maybe you also like the way it tastes. Or perhaps you prefer a nice cup of tea. Are these just indulgences or do these beverages have health benefits? What might they be? Our guest, Dr. Tyrone Lodog, is an internationally recognized expert on botanical products, integrative medicine, and dietary supplements. She also knows a lot about coffee, tea, and chocolate. Coming up on The People's Pharmacy, can life's little pleasures be good for your health? Welcome to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. More than 3 million people around the globe have been infected with COVID-19. That includes more than a million Americans. Next week, we'll talk with one of the world's most knowledgeable coronavirus researchers. He and his team were studying the antiviral drug remdesivir even before the pandemic began. Dr. Ralph Barrick will bring you up to speed on this drug and another treatment that could help save lives. That's next week, though. This week, we're giving you a little break from coronavirus news. Today, we're going to talk about something pleasant. How about a nice cup of coffee or tea? What about chocolate? Are these just indulgences, or do they have health benefits? Our guest is Dr. Tyrone Lodog, an internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative medicine, dietary supplements, herbal medicine, and women's health. Her latest book is Fortify Your Life, Your Guide to Vitamins, Minerals, and More. You can learn more at her website, drlodog.com. Welcome back to the People's Pharmacy, Dr. Tirone Lodog. Hello. Um, it's so nice to be back with you. You know, I have to say that nutrition science seems to have taken great pleasure over the last 30 or 40 years in telling people what they shouldn't eat. You know, it's like, don't eat red meat. It'll clog your arteries. Oh, eggs, too much cholesterol. Don't, 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 don't. don't, don't. don't. And then <laughs> we'd like to talk about 
what should you be eating what or drinking? can you do to be healthy? And, you know, we thought, well, who better to turn to than Dr. Tarone Lodog? Because you have looked at the health benefits of things like tea. I mean, you are at heart an herbalist, and tea is right in the middle of that sweet spot. But also we wanted to talk about coffee and chocolate. Both of us are chocolate <laughs> lovers. And the fact that cocoa flavanols have health benefits is just superb. So let's start with tea. Uh, there have been some recent studies, especially about green tea in China and, of course, Japan. And the implication is that if people drink green tea, they may have some positive health outcomes. Tell us about it. Well, tea in general has been used and consumed as a beverage for, oh my gosh, who knows how long. And green tea has really captured a lot of interest from scientists and researchers because of its high polyphenol content. And also, and it contains caffeine, small amounts of caffeine, but it also contains uh, theoflavin and, and L-theanine and, and a number of other compounds, which seem to come together almost like a symphony of these chemicals, of these compounds, which give people uh, a number of health benefits from possibly protecting against certain types of cancer, uh, to having strong antioxidant properties. Uh, there may even be some benefit with weight management, uh, some beneficial effects on cardiovascular system and the brain. So when you're thinking about a beverage, tea really does tick a lot of the boxes. And a lot of Americans, it can be hard to get them to green tea first, especially if they're, you know, if they've been coffee drinkers and maybe now they're trying to add more tea. So sometimes we go from coffee to adding some black tea, which also has a lot of these health benefits, then maybe to oolong and then to green tea. It was interesting, Joe, when you were talking about the things we shouldn't do. When I was at the University of Arizona and I was running the fellowship program there, at the Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, it was a very strong mantra that we should wean patients off of coffee onto tea, that coffee wasn't good for you, that coffee had a lot of bad side effects, and we should move people to tea. Now, as a tea drinker, I didn't really have any objections because I'm somebody who loves tea. That's what That's my beverage of choice. But it also really spoke to how uh, somehow in this country, we shifted uh, making coffee something bad and tea something good. And I actually think there's benefits to both. Uh, but but green tea and black tea, for many people, can be um, a wonderful beverage to add also because it's lower in caffeine. So some people who are caffeine sensitive find that they tolerate tea much better and because it contains these unique polyphenols and this this kind of amino acid, L-theanine, it gives a much smoother 
kind of feeling of energy without the jitteriness that some people may experience with coffee. So I, I love tea, and um, I think that you know consuming it as a as a daily beverage for many people is a wise and healthy choice, especially if you're substituting things like energy drinks or soda pops mm-hmm. or things like this. That uh, tea is a much better option. Well, Dr. Lodog, I wonder if you'll tell us a little bit about L-theanine. I think everybody's heard about caffeine. Uh, Yes. Some people have heard about EGCG, epigallocatechin gallate, which is that special compound in green tea. But what is L-theanine and why should we care? So um, L-theanine is a a, a type of closest thing you could associate it with is like an amino acid. And it's what has the anti-stress effects that you have when you drink green tea or black tea. But it's interesting because what it does, it's different than caffeine, is it actually increases the brain's production of alpha waves. And when you activate alpha waves, people feel this sense of relaxation and calmness. Um, And that is a very different effect that that people get from caffeine. So when you drink green tea, you have this small amount of caffeine, which helps with attention and alertness. But when you drink the tea, you're also getting this L-theanine, which we find helps with attention and alertness and focus, but in a much smoother, soothing way. So when you drink a cup of coffee, you're going to get a very strong hit of caffeine, which is going to make you feel very alert and and anti-fatigue effects very quickly. Tea does not act as quickly as a cup of coffee does, but in many ways, I prefer it because it gives you this very smooth, soothe type of energy burst with the caffeine, but you really bring that L-theanine in, uh, which is available as a dietary supplement, I might add. There's a number of psychiatrists who actually like to use it for uh, people who have minor anxiety because L-theanine by itself has a very calming effect when people take it. So it's one of the reasons that I think a lot of people like uh, tea because it gives a more smooth sort of elevation of energy where a cup of coffee gives you more immediate, rapid kind of energy boost. Now, probably while you were in China and therefore didn't have an opportunity to see this article published in the European Journal of Preventive Medicine, there was a study of 100,000 Chinese adults. They answered survey questions and they were followed for about seven years. And guess what? Their risk was about 20% lower of dying from heart attacks or strokes. If they drank green tea. If they drank Several green times a tea. Week. And they, they actually seemed to have some cardiovascular benefits. So I think a lot of people would like to know, why would green tea be good for the heart? Again, your concentrated catechins that you have in tea and these polyphenols, we do know that they have beneficial effects on the blood vessels, um, helping them to relax. Um, They have a a prevention of plaque, uh, which can lower the risk of heart attack and stroke. And, And again, 
we we do see some of this in coffee, but it's more pronounced in tea because the the data on coffee has been somewhat controversial. I would say around cardiovascular disease, but we, we and this is not the first time we've seen this benefit for for the heart, the one that you're quoting in Chinese individuals. But we've also seen. Uh, with just even black tea, there was a 10-year study with uh, almost 75,000 people that were drinking about four cups of black tea per day. And that was associated with about a 21% lower risk of stroke when you compared it to non-drinkers. So I would say that there's numerous compounds in green tea and black and oolong tea that have beneficial effects for the cardiovascular system. And I would remind us that heart disease is still the number one killer of Americans. And so, you know, thinking through what are some things you could do in your everyday life, you know, the everyday routines that you have that might give you some additional benefit, I would say that tea drinking is one of them. Green tea is going to give you more benefit. It's less processed than black tea. But but we've seen we've seen good cardiovascular benefits, particularly with stroke with black tea as well. So I, I'm I'm a fan. And while we focus a lot on green tea, I just want to also say that black tea has some interesting beneficial effects on the gut microbiota because of the way it's fermented uh, and and processed, that we do know that it seems to increase the diversity, um, acting almost like a prebiotic in the gut, um, having beneficial effects here, which may have some secondary benefits, as you know, for the brain and cardiovascular system. We're learning a lot about how the gut microbiota influence overall health. So, Green tea, yes, probably edges out black tea a bit. But for those of you who like black tea, unsweetened, I hope, unsweetened black tea um, also has uh, wonderful benefits. So um, I'm all in favor of tea. You're listening to Dr. Tyrone Lodog, an internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative medicine, dietary supplements, herbal medicine, and women's health. Dr. Lodog has served as the elected chair of the U.S. Pharmacopeia Dietary Supplements and Botanicals Expert Information Panel. She was appointed to the Scientific Advisory Council for the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Her latest book is Fortify Your Life, Your Guide to Vitamins, Minerals, and More. For more information, you can see her website, drlodog.com. After the break, we'll find out about the health benefits of coffee. People think of coffee as a caffeine delivery vehicle. In fact, it's loaded with lots of different antioxidant compounds. You may have noticed that coffee can have a laxative effect. Some hospitals, especially in Europe, have begun to utilize that property. You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This People's Pharmacy podcast is brought to you in part by Verizona.com. Verizona Lab offers home health tests that allow you to monitor your hormones and health conditions. You can take control of the quantitative assessment of your health and learn about male and female hormone balance, the stress hormone cortisol, leaky gut, gluten intolerance, or your gut microbiome. Take a more active role in tracking your health and take 20% off your first order of a mail-in testing opportunity with the discount code PEOPLE. That's P-E-O-P-L-E, all uppercase. 
To learn more, go to verizana.com. That's V-E-R-I-S-A-N-A dot com. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Kaya Biotics, probiotic products made in Germany from certified organic ingredients. K-A-Y-A Biotics.com. Also by Verizana, an analytical laboratory providing home health tests for hormones, gut health, and the microbiome. Online at V-E-R-I-S-A-N-A dot com. Today our topic is tea, coffee, and cocoa. What are the health benefits of these delightful beverages? We're talking with Dr. Tarone Lodog, an internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative medicine, dietary supplements, herbal medicine, and women's health. Her latest book is Fortify Your Life, Your Guide to Vitamins, Minerals, and More. Dr. Lodog, we've been talking about tea, but I'd like to bring our attention to coffee because that is almost certainly the favorite beverage of choice for many, many Americans. And it is quite popular around the world. Are people drinking coffee doing themselves harm? Or are they doing themselves good? It seems to be rather a controversial topic. Well, I, as you said earlier, you know, some of your colleagues at Arizona were kind of down on coffee and trying to switch people over to tea. But I think now we have enough evidence to suggest that there are health benefits from coffee as well. Yes, you know, and I think that this comes back to also um, almost a dose response, right? Uh, We consider moderate caffeine or coffee consumption to be somewhere around three to four cups of coffee or 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, not to exceed that, right? In a a healthy, non-pregnant individual, we believe that the health benefits outweigh the risks in the vast majority of people. Now, earlier we were talking about tea and the antioxidant properties of, you know, EGCG, and we were talking about um, other compounds in tea that contribute to its beneficial effects. But coffee also, you know, when you drink a cup of coffee, you're getting hundreds of active compounds. So even though we don't talk about it in the same way, you know, we focus on caffeine. And, and yes, coffee does provide in an eight-ounce cup of coffee, roughly about 100 milligrams of of caffeine. But there are also other biologically active classes of compounds in coffee. And these are things like uh, trigonelline, the uh, melanoidins, the chlorogenic acid, uh, I mean, diterpenes. There's this whole group of compounds, which we have now investigated, that help explain why coffee seems to have many of the beneficial effects that we may also attribute to tea. We know that it has some protective effects against certain types of cancers. We know the strongest evidence has been really with reduction of uterine or endometrial cancer and certain types of liver cancer. Those seem to be where the evidence is strongest and and most consistent. And then there's some moderate evidence that it may have some protection against other cancers like uh, breast and cancer, colorectal cancer. But 
you know, I, I look at this and think, gosh, you know, it might help me maintain my weight. It may give me an edge against dementia. It may help uh, protect against Parkinson's, maybe more in men than women, the data suggest. Um, but when I look at this, I think, you know, that's an awful lot from a, a beverage, you know, something that people drink every day. So I'm, I'm kind of sold on coffee. I'm not a big coffee drinker, though. I'll be really honest. I'm a tea drinker. I lean heavy into this, but my husband loves coffee. And over the years, we've had this ongoing battle in the house uh, because I drink tea and he drinks coffee. And, and I admit that, you know, early on, I sort of said, you should drink more tea. And he tried and he just said, I really love my cup of joe. I love my morning coffee and I just don't want to give it up. And so that got me interested in really looking at the health benefits of coffee more as a, as a, just another bean, a berry, you know, like I would look at any herb or any plant. What does coffee really offer people? And I found that as a plant, it's a very rich source of many nutritional components that drunk in moderation overall has more benefit than harm to individuals who consume it. Well, I'm thinking back, and I don't know if it was Dr. Bruce Ames who came up with the um, sort of in vitro carcinogen test, the Ames test, or somebody else. But one of those um, researchers many years ago said that the greatest source of antioxidants in our diet – It's not the fruits and the vegetables, although there are very good sources. It's coffee. Well, that's partly because so many people drink it, and they drink more of it than they may be eating kale or broccoli. But (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) But there are also a lot, just as you said, Dr. Lodok, there are so many antioxidants, so many chemicals in coffee. It's a very complex product. And um, and I I actually you know we we've solved this battle of the of the tea versus coffee <laughs> because I start the day with tea, and then within minutes I've also had my cup of coffee just to get going. But I think a lot of people think of coffee as you know a caffeine source you know get them going in the in the day, and they're just thinking of it as a stimulant. And I want to ask you about a very odd health benefit of coffee. And, and apparently it, it, it's not just the caffeine. And this has to do when I'm, I'm going to have to use one of those um, not necessarily bad words because I think you can say this on the radio. It's when you go into the hospital and you have abdominal surgery. And, and they give you these muscle relaxant drugs and they mess around with your abdomen. One of the complications, for example, if you've had um, your appendix removed or, or some other kind of surgery of that nature, they won't let you go until you fart or poop because they want to make yes. sure that your digestive tract is actually functioning because if it isn't functioning You're that can in be big trouble medical emergency well they've learned and it's actually been studied and published in a medical journal coffee can stimulate the movement of the digestive tract so that you can leave the hospital sooner i bet you didn't know that you know 
I did not know that, but I would have told you that I know that coffee makes you poop because over these many, many years, patients have told me, like, say I had a patient who is not sleeping well, has anxiety, and is a huge coffee drinker. And I suggest that they start cutting back on their coffee, limiting it to the morning. And one of the most common responses I have had over the years is like, I know, but I tried to go off coffee, doc, but I I can't go to the bathroom in the morning. This is a really common effect that people talk about is that they have their morning coffee and then they have their morning bowel movement. Mm -hmm. And so I did not know that about in the hospital. I do know that you know, having worked in the hospital, that we're waiting for bowel sounds. We're waiting for, you know, we come in, put our stethoscope on your belly, and we're waiting until you have good bowel sounds before we start to feed you anything. And we're not going to let you go home until you're passing gas or until you've had a good bowel movement, because we want to make sure everything has woken back up after we've made things go to sleep. So, uh, and you know, this this is also probably due to some of the bitter compounds that are present in coffee, because we know that many bitter substances have a stimulating effect on the bowel. Um, so, so coffee is a, it is definitely a lot of people's go-to. I don't know how many people might not poop if they went off their coffee in the morning. So, um, but but it speaks again to this to in coffee and tea these beneficial effects that we see in the gut microbiota. We do see it in coffee too. That both of these may be acting as prebiotics and having a beneficial effect on digestion. You said something. Joe, that also interested me, you said, I have my morning tea and then within moments I have my coffee so I can, you know, get going in the morning. And I think that for me, I think of coffee in a strategic way. I think of black tea like that for myself as well. But, you know, caffeine does increase mental alertness. And because caffeine blocks adenosine, which is what makes you sleepy, it reduces fatigue. So people feel the anti-fatigue effects of coffee. As a child, when my parents were driving across the country, we were driving at night because we were going through a very hot part of the country that was hot in the day. And air conditioners in the 1960s were not great in cars. So we were driving at night. And I remember my dad saying that he had to drink coffee to keep him awake allowing him to to drive throughout the night without becoming fatigued. So we've all used the benefits of caffeine to our advantage throughout time when we need to really reduce fatigue, increase mental alertness and focus. Uh, and so caffeine can be used strategically in that way, but it's also how it can be problematic for individuals who may be drinking caffeine late in the afternoon or early evening, uh, it may cause problems with sleep. That's where some of the negative effects, I think, have been attributed to coffee. We said that it was a carcinogen for a while, but it's not. Uh, We said that it has a lot of adverse effects on the cardiovascular system, and we've actually found that's not true with moderate consumption. And we talk about its effects making people feel anxious or having palpitations, et cetera, causing insomnia. And that's generally in people who are sensitive to caffeine or in people or in people who um, uh, drink a lot of coffee late into the evening. So I, I think there's been a lot of myth busting we've had to do with coffee over these years. And, and I think there's a lot of individual variability in terms of uh, people's reactions to caffeine. For example, my 96-year-old father 
will have coffee with his supper at five thirty, six o'clock yes. in the evening, and no trouble going to bed, going to sleep, no problem whatsoever. And he's been drinking coffee all day long. I do not want to drink any coffee after lunchtime, because if I do, I know I'm going to have trouble going to sleep at night. So people are different. <laughs> so one of you may be a hypermetabolizer of coffee, of caffeine, and the other is a hypo. And it's interesting in your family how we've seen this genetic variation play out. So in most people, the half-life of, of caffeine is two and a half to four and a half hours. Now, people have great variability amongst that, right? That's the average. About 10% of Americans, I don't know about other populations, but about 10% of Americans are hypermetabolizers of caffeine, meaning that they can be like your father and my mother, have a cup of coffee in the evening and go right to sleep and no problem. Another 10% of Americans are hypometabolizers of caffeine, and the half-life is much greater, meaning that they may feel with even one to two cups of coffee, they may feel jittery, they may feel like they can't sleep at night, it, it's hard for them to fall asleep. So people have to really find where they are in that. 80% of Americans seem to be in that sort of mid-range category and don't have a problem uh, with caffeine. But um, if you're somebody who does, uh, you got to really watch how much coffee you're consuming or black tea or others. It's just that tea drinkers tend to not feel the same effects because of the L-theanine, the theoflavin, some of these other compounds in tea that almost counter that stimulating effect of caffeine. So uh, it, it is why there is a difference in, in coffee and tea drinkers, and many people who are sensitive to caffeine do fine on tea. But I, I, I am fascinated I am fascinated with yerba mate and guarana and some of these other types of herbal beverages. I was, you know, we were down in Central America and yerba mate is the caffeinated, you know, choice in Argentina and Venezuela. And so what strikes me is that throughout history, people have looked to the plants for things that can give them energy, more focus, more uh, physical energy and endurance. And many of these have caffeine in them, but then their secondary components seem to have differing effects. And people should explore those and see which of those seem to work best for them. But in conclusion, I would just say that coffee drinking um, has been associated with reduced risk of, of type 2 diabetes. We know that it has some beneficial effects for weight management. It has some protective effects for uh, neurological problems such as Parkinson's and dementia. And, and also with, uh, I'd say that the cardiovascular effects, while while these have been more controversial, I would say overall, we say that there are no um, significant adverse effects for people who drink three to four cups of coffee per day. So what makes sense for people who are trying to figure out what's the right amount, what's too much? How, how will people know whether they're a hyper or hypo metabolizer? I think most people know, and I will just tell you in 30 years of practice, people will just say, oh, you know, I tried an Excedrin for migraine and I felt like I was going to come out of my skin. I just felt so jittery. Uh, it's the caffeine, right? For the migraine. 
And do you drink coffee? Oh, no, dear. I can't drink coffee. It makes, it just makes me feel so nervous. So in my experience, people know. Uh, and on the other hand, the people who are hypermetabolizers, they're like, I don't know what people are talking about. You know, I have an espresso in the evening after my dinner. I love it. I go, I sleep like a baby. So I think most people already know for themselves, just from their lived experience, they may not realize that it's genetics. And we've worked out actually the genetics on it. We, we actually can tell you uh, if you're a hyper or hypometabolizer. Uh, and that's why we know it's about 10% on both ends that have an extreme variation here. But most people who pay attention to their bodies know the effects that they're feeling. And I actually think most people can self-regulate. My big concern with coffee consumption in people who drink a lot of coffee or drink a lot of tea is that I want to make sure they're also drinking plenty of water. And I mean this truthfully that uh, a lot of these stimulants do act also as diuretics. And uh, for people, I live in the Southwest, so I live where a lot of people are dehydrated just because we have such low humidity and we're desert. But I find that many, many people live on the verge of dehydration. And so I tell people for every cup of coffee that you drink in the day, I want to make sure you've got a glass of water somewhere in your day too. So if you drink three cups of uh, coffee, I want you to have three cups of of water. And I, I do find that giving people some direction around that helps with some of the other things that people sometimes associate with caffeine consumption, and that's headaches and um and and GI upset and some of these other things and I th- I personally believe part of that's just dehydration. So make sure you're drinking plenty of water when you're drinking lots of black tea and drinking coffee because uh, they tend to they tend to increase urination and and that can leave you feeling more dehydrated. You're listening to Dr. Tironi Lodog, an internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative medicine, dietary supplements, herbal medicine and women's health. Dr. Lodog has served as the elected chair of the U.S. Pharmacopeia Dietary Supplements and Botanicals Expert Information Panel. She was appointed to the Scientific Advisory Council for the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Her books include Healthy at Home, Get Well and Stay Well Without Prescriptions, and Life is Your Best Medicine. Her latest work is Fortify Your Life, Your Guide to Vitamins, Minerals, and More. For additional information, her website is drlowdog.com. After the break, we'll turn to another delightful source of plant compounds, chocolate. Does chocolate actually have health benefits? Some years ago, a study showed that the theobromine in chocolate is an excellent cough suppressor. Chocolate may not be health food exactly, but it can be healthy. How should we think of coffee, tea, and chocolate. You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. The People's Pharmacy podcast is sponsored in part by Kaya Biotics. K-A-Y-A Biotics offers the first probiotics, which are both certified organic and hypoallergenic. 
Paul probiotics are produced in Germany under laboratory conditions with high-quality ingredients and under strict regulatory oversight. The three available formulas are created for very specific purposes, such as strengthening the immune system, fighting yeast infections, and helping with weight loss. To learn more about Kaya Biotics probiotics and the important topic of gut health, you can visit their website, kayabiotics.com. That's K-A-Y-A biotics.com. Use the discount code PEOPLE for $10 off your first purchase. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Verizona, an analytical laboratory providing home health tests for hormones, gut health, and the microbiome. Online at V-E-R-I-S-A-N-A dot com. And by Kaya Biotics, probiotic products made in Germany from certified organic ingredients. K-A-Y-A Biotics dot com. Today, we're talking about some of life's little pleasures. Are you a coffee drinker, or do you like a nice cup of tea? What about chocolate? It's hard to believe something so delicious might have health benefits. And yet, the history of chocolate dates back thousands of years. Ancient Mesoamericans certainly thought cacao was special. That's the plant we use to make cocoa and chocolate. Researchers have found that cacao compounds have some very interesting physiological properties. To find out more about cacao and chocolate, we're talking with Dr. Tarone Lodog. She's an internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative medicine, dietary supplements, herbal medicine, and women's health. Dr. Lodog has served as the elected chair of the U.S. Pharmacopeia Dietary Supplements and Botanicals Expert Information Panel. She was appointed to the Scientific Advisory Council for the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Her books include Healthy at Home, Get Well and Stay Well Without Prescriptions, and Life is Your Best Medicine. Her latest work is Fortify Your Life, Your Guide to Vitamins, Minerals, and More. For additional information, her website is drlodog.com. Mmm, well... We've been talking about coffee, and now we're going to talk about chocolate. I'm combining both right now in my mouth. Terry, what is this wonderful thing? <laughs> well, this is a <laughs> recipe we got from Dr. Tyrone Lodog. Her Wild Crafter <laughs> Coffee, this happens to be the Defend blend that has uh, mushrooms and herbs in it to boost your immune system, and... It is and it also with, has chocolate in it. It is mixed with... And it's it, so it's, tasty. It's basically, it's a breakfast bar with oats and eggs. Or, or, or an afternoon bar. An afternoon <laughs> bar. It's got the... It does have chocolate in it, and uh, it does have coffee in it, so you don't want to probably eat it too late at night if you're sensitive to caffeine. But, but it is great. delicious. In the morning or in the afternoon, and... It, it has this wonderful blend of chocolate and coffee together, which are two flavors that I really adore. And they go very well together. Joe mentioned his morning ritual. First, he drinks his cup of green tea because it's good for him. I don't know if he really likes it. I do. 
but I'm not sure Joe really does. But, but I he do drinks drink it. it. And then he, and then he <laughs> wants his coffee. And I I make him a cup of coffee and I actually usually put cocoa flavanols in the coffee to kind of give him that extra benefit. Well, I, I love chocolate. But I you know, there's a lot of sugar. There's a lot of fat. And if it's just plain cocoa without the, the sugar and the fat in with the coffee, it gives it a wonderful flavor and it gives it a kind of richness that um, is really quite spectacular. The, it's not like coffee mocha. It's like coffee cocoa. The, the flavors really do go well together, flavors of coffee and, they do. and cocoa. And, and the cocoa flavanols, and here I have to... Put in a, a disclaimer, Cocovia is an underwriter of the People's Pharmacy, but the Cocovia flavanols are scientifically formulated so that you know you're getting exactly 450 milligrams in one of those packets, and that's what Joe gets every day. So tell us about the that's benefits. That's why he's so smart. Yeah, look, yeah, yes, well, that's I right. About that. <laughs> tell us about the health benefits of cocoa and... I, dare I say, you know, chocolate as healthy because we were once chastised by a physician who said more than once we have been chastised for promoting chocolate as potentially healthy food. And people look at us and they say, you can't say that because it's too high in fat. It's too high in sugar. And it is true that some chocolate candies are very high in sugar and shouldn't be considered healthful. But tell us more about the cocoa flavanols and how we can um, get cocoa flavanols, get the benefits without accruing too much risk. Well, <laughs> um, so again, those things that become bad, right? And maybe it's because we have a history in this country of, you know, the way people think about chocolate is our, our, our chocolate bars maybe that weren't, you know, that weren't overall so healthy for you. But chocolate itself and the cocoa, the cocoa flavanols are uh, very protective for the brain, for the cardiovascular system. And part of the way that it does this is these flavanols, they activate something called nitric oxide, which causes the muscles in the arterial walls to relax, right? So, which is why cocoa has a beneficial effect on the heart and on blood pressure and, and, uh, the whole cardiovascular system. I am very interested in some of the epicatechins and catechins, which people associate with tea, right? We started out with, with talking about EGCG, right? So a, a type of catechin. Uh, but you also have in the cocoa beans, these epicatechins and catechins, and these are really powerful compounds for, for the brain. So one of the benefits of the cocoa bean and the way it sort of comes naturally is that to get those compounds into the brain, it also has to be somewhat lipophilic, right? It's got to it's got to be somewhat fat loving to be able to get into the brain and cross the blood brain barrier. So it seems like nature kind of made that cocoa bean uh, just intended for its its end use, right? Uh, that it's going to have beneficial effects for the brain, uh, be neuroprotective. Some of the other benefits that we see other than cardiovascular and brain health are some of the effects on metabolism. 
And one of my personal favorites that most people don't know about, I, I know you two do, but um, is the beneficial effect chocolate has on cough. So I was uh, teaching at a large conference in Chicago oh, uh, in 2006, I think it was. I just had my hip replaced and I was up on the stage and there were several thousand people out in this audience and I started coughing. I just, you know, that tickle in your throat that I just couldn't, I could not stop coughing. So I uh, drank some water, which didn't help. And I asked the audience, does anybody happen to have just a small bit of dark chocolate? Well, that's an interesting question to ask because there were like 50 women raised their hands, all having chocolate in their handbags. <laughs> and uh, I said, I, I, I just need a little chocolate. And so a woman came up and she said, this is really dark chocolate and this is milk chocolate. She had like these little bars. And I said, just a little bit of dark chocolate. Thank you so much. I turned my back to the audience. I, I, let, I sucked on the dark chocolate and then chewed it and swallowed it. And I proceeded to teach the rest of my 90-minute course without coughing again. We got so much email and just people like, is that a real effect? And I said, you know, cocoa being in, in traditional, in the traditional use in Central South America, uh, was traditionally actually used as a cough and respiratory aid. So it was used as an herbal medicine for respiratory problems and for severe cough. And I find it to be highly effective for these kinds of dry hacking coughs for which you, you just can't stop. You just can't stop coughing. So it, it's interesting to me, um, these bitter compounds, which are good for digestion. Uh, we believe that these cocoflavanols not only are good for the brain and the heart, but also have beneficial chocolate itself has beneficial effects on gut microbiota, which we've talked about with tea and, and coffee. But a lot of these come down to these polyphenols, these flavonoids, these proanthocyanidines or procyanidines that are found in all three of these plants, which to me make them wonderful additions to our diet. I don't think we should have to feel guilty about them. I think we use them in moderation. But for me personally, a one little square of dark chocolate in the evening, dark, not much sugar, it satiates me. Mm -hmm. it, it feels wonderful, allowing me to feel like I had a treat. And at the same time, I, I don't have to drink, eat much of it because it's such a small amount. Um, and, and it's enjoyable. Whereas so, um, a piece of I, milk chocolate might make you feel like... Oh, yeah. that was good. May I have yeah. another piece, please? <laughs> yes. Yes. And you do notice the difference. Yes. Dark chocolate is very satiating, where milk chocolate is not. And, and Dr. Lodog, I think that there has actually been a study, possibly 10 or 15 years ago, I don't remember exactly, in which they took one of the compounds from chocolate, theobromine, and just tested it as a cough remedy and found it was very cough. effective. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, chocolate yes. does taste better. It may be bitter, but it tastes better than dextromethorphan. Well, I remember talking to Dr. Alan Green, the People's Pharmacy pediatrician, many, many years ago, and he was talking about dark chocolate chips 
as a cough remedy for kids instead of dextromethorphan, the ingredient in most over-the-counter cough medicines. And he said, you know, you never have a hard time getting a child to have a few chocolate chips, whereas dextromethorphan tastes yuck. Well, I think the other point there is that, you know, we, we banned or recommended against the FDA and the American Academy of Pediatrics against using a lot of these cold and cough medications for children under the age of six and particularly under the age of four. And when the FDA had this uh, statement come out quite a number of years ago, I remember getting asked uh, by the, our local TV um, station in Albuquerque to come on and talk about what parents can do if their kids have cold and cough mm-hmm. and they're two or three years old. Uh, people just seemed at a loss. What are we supposed to do if we can't use any of these medications? And of course, there were two recommendations that I had, a teaspoon of honey before bedtime, which can definitely also help reduce cough uh, in children uh, between the ages of one and five, right? Not under one. And the use of chocolate, dark chocolate um, for children, again, between those ages. And I think people had a really hard time accepting that chocolate and honey could help a two-year-old with cough. But I would say that both of them have evidence and both of them uh, can be safely used and are safer than the alternatives that we, uh, that we have in the marketplace, which state right on the, on the package that you should consult your physician before giving them to a child under the age of four. And of course, you don't have to be a child, as you have demonstrated, to benefit <laughs> from the anti-cough power of chocolate. Yes, Yes. Uh, But, you know, again, a few things I would just say about uh, chocolate or or cocoa, uh, cacao, is that it really should be consumed in a more dark, uh, dark flavor. Uh, You'd like to get 70% um, chocolate if you can or higher. Uh, You want to limit and moderate your consumption of it, which is pretty easy for most people to do. And that consuming it, uh, you know, an ounce a day has been shown to have many benefits for the cardiovascular system, uh, which, again, is the number one killer of, of Americans, uh, has beneficial effects on the, on the cardiovascular system, and also has protective effects on the brain. So, and, and in general, what's good for your heart typically is good for the brain. So including some dark chocolate in your diet is a healthy uh, luxurious sort of uh, little gift that you can give to yourself. And, and, and you know, we have got to stop telling people all the things that, you know, they shouldn't do in their diet, which includes coffees and black tea and, uh, you know, only green tea, not black. Black tea's good for you, not coffee, just tea. And it's like coffee's good for you. And then again, chocolate. So making plants good or bad uh, typically is is not very sound, uh, that most of these plants that people have consumed over thousands of years have potential health benefits. And I would say we have overwhelming evidence for tea, coffee, and chocolate. Dr. Lodog, as we close, would you sum up for us, please, why we should think of tea and coffee and cacao as healthy foods? These three plants that we spoke of truly are gifts, uh, gifts to humankind. Uh, They provide pleasure for us as well as health benefits. They help protect our heart and our minds. They help rev up our 
immune systems. They all are rich in antioxidants. They contain hundreds of compounds, making them very complex little pharmaceutical mixtures, if you will, but, but from nature's pharmacy, from the, you know, the creator's pharmacy. I would also just say that part of being human is the ability and the desire for pleasure, for things that are pleasurable, that touch our hearts in ways that are not just you know, related to their, their physical effects, but also their emotional effects. People love having their cup of coffee in the morning. It's a ritual to them and a pleasure. People love drinking tea. I participated in tea ceremonies uh, over in the East. Um, this whole ritual around it. And as I just spoke of having this traditional cacao ceremony in Costa Rica, it really brings to light how these plants have been cherished oftentimes for thousands of years, and how they can benefit humankind today. So if you enjoy your coffee, three to four cups a day, you enjoy your green oolong black tea or white tea, enjoy it. You can have a few more cups of that. And if you like chocolate, look for those that are darker. And and if you ever have the chance to experience a ceremony, whether a tea ceremony or a cacao ceremony, I strongly encourage you to do so. I think it will change your relationship with these plants forever. Dr. Tironi Lodog, thank you so much for talking with us on The People's Pharmacy today. Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Tironi Lodog, an internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative medicine, dietary supplements, herbal medicine, and women's health. Dr. Lodog has served as the elected chair of the U.S. Pharmacopeia Dietary Supplements and Botanicals Expert Information Panel. Her books include Healthy at Home and Life is Your Best Medicine. Her latest work is Fortify Your Life, Your Guide to Vitamins, Minerals, and More. For additional information, her website is drlodog.com. Lynn Siegel produced today's show. Al Wodarski engineered. Dave Graydon edits our interviews. The People's Pharmacy is produced at the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. The People's Pharmacy theme music is by B.J. Lederman. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements that support cognitive and cardiovascular health. More information at cocovia.com. Also by Kaya Biotics, probiotic products made in Germany from certified organic ingredients, kayabiotics.com. If you'd like to buy a CD of today's show or any other People's Pharmacy episode, you can call 800 732-2334. Today's show is number 1,210. That number again, 800-732-2334. Or you can place the order online at peoplespharmacy.com. When you visit our site, you can share your thoughts about today's show. Do you drink coffee or tea? Have you noticed any health effects? What's your favorite chocolate? At peoplespharmacy.com, you can sign up for our free online newsletter or subscribe to the free podcast of the show. Never miss another episode. You could share it with a friend. In Durham, North Carolina, I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next week. 
The People's Pharmacy Podcast is sponsored in part by Kaya Biotics. K-A-Y-A Biotics offers the first probiotics, which are both certified organic and hypoallergenic. All probiotics are produced in Germany under laboratory conditions with high-quality ingredients and under strict regulatory oversight. The three available formulas are created for very specific purposes, such as strengthening the immune system, fighting yeast infections, and helping with weight loss. To learn more about Kaya Biotics probiotics and the important topic of gut health, you can visit their website, kayabiotics.com. That's K-A-Y-A biotics.com. Use the discount code PEOPLE for $10 off your first purchase.